Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to come and experience the love of the community that you've made here at the Rochester Church of Christ. Father, I pray that you will speak powerfully today and that we as your children will listen. We believe that your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp for our path, God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here at Rochester Church of Christ, loving our neighbor is what we do, and loving God is why we do it. All right, loving our neighbor is what we do, loving God is why we do it. Go ahead and say that. Loving our neighbor is what we do, loving God is why we do it. You see, we want to be people who take seriously the call to God's mission here in our time and place. But the reality about that is that it's not as easy as it sounds. Saying that is one thing. Doing it, like Kenny was talking about, is a very difficult process sometimes because life is messy. Relationships are messy. Conversations can be awkward and challenging. So with the new teaching series that we're beginning today, it's called Messy, because loving people isn't always easy, all right? With this new teaching series, what we want to do is we want, I want to ask you to consider a few questions as we think about how to love others. My heart was just made glad because I looked out and I saw Joanne. I love you. I'm sorry, that, that, man, that made my day. God is good. And all the time? Well, y'all were right on that. Okay, okay, so here's the question I want to ask before I got distracted by Joanne's sweet face. Here's here's the question I want to ask. I want to ask this. What if relationship and community is supposed to be messy? 
Uh, well, hold on, Adam. You, you know that our relationships are supposed to be good and that it's, it's how, how good and pleasant it is when, when we dwell together in unity. Yeah, I got that. But what if God's grace shines most beautifully in the middle of our messiness? What if the glory of God is on display when sinful, broken people learn how to love each other the way that God made us to love? And that's a messy process. You see, what I found out more than anything is that I tend to desire, I tend to desire comfort and familiarity. As I wrote in the bulletin, I love routine. Okay, I'm okay with routine. I'm okay with the same cup of coffee every morning. I'm okay with the same schedule. I can do that really well. And whenever we get something new, my first reaction is no. And so Cooper will come and be like, what if we do this? And I'm like, no, let me think about it. I started with no and then asked to think about it. That's my style. All right, why? Because it was a change. But here's the deal. I think that most of us, are, are, we like comfort and familiarity. For instance, if I were to ask you today, Raise your hands if you want Rochester Church of Christ to be a place where everyone is welcome, regardless of their messiness. If I were to ask you to do that, either you're not very responsive or many of you are being very honest. Yeah, and here's why I say that, is because I think we would all raise our hand, but the truth is that some of us don't mean it. We want some messy people, but not the folks with the messes that we can't stand or the messes that we don't relate to and therefore they're way worse than the messes we do relate to or the messes that we're afraid of because they're challenging and make us feel awkward and we don't know what to say. So we make excuses for why we fail to live as we're called to. But I can tell you this, if we are content to stay safe and clean, then I think we are losing at this thing called faith. Because I think that life is messy, people are messy, community is messy, and God's grace is shining greater through all of it. God who is community designed us for community. We are made for relationships, for conversation, for love, for healing, for vulnerability. Brian, thank you for talking about vulnerability last week. Okay, we're made for that. Our, now, our sinfulness has made those relationships, those conversations, and that vulnerability more complex, more difficult, more challenging, but not impossible because of Jesus. The first command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, loving God, loving neighbors, loving self. Now here's the deal. Loving God, often not that difficult because God is perfect. That one's pretty easy to wrap our mind around. Now, when when push comes to shove and God doesn't do what we want, then it becomes challenging. Loving people, loving our neighbors, well, that's hard. 
on its own. But loving ourselves, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. There are a lot of us who have a a lot of trouble loving ourselves, And I can tell you this, it is almost impossible for us to love others if we don't love ourselves. Okay, when, when I don't love myself, I don't love others well. And, and Kelly can testify to this, don't please. Um, <clears throat> not yet. Um, but Kelly can testify to this, that I'm not the husband I want to be when I'm in a mood. When I'm wrestling with some depression or some frustration with myself, I'm not the husband I want to be. I say things that I shouldn't say. I, I, I respond in ways I shouldn't respond. I'm thoughtless. I'm careless. And, and, and I hurt her on accident. Cooper could testify, don't please, uh, that I'm not the dad I want to be. Some of y'all, I'm telling you, some of you think I yell here. I can, I, man, I'm, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. Got this big old voice given to me for a reason. Let's yell a little bit. No, but, but I, can, I, can, I can respond in ways that are less healthy than I want to when I'm not feeling healthy about myself. When I lose sight of how to love myself, I often lose how to love others well. How many of you feel like you're a mess up? Or maybe you're a mess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I want to. Sh- I want to show you a video. And and and. This is one of this is one of the things that's made me laugh this week. I'm going to give us a little levity and then make a point with it. I want to promise you that everyone in the video is okay. All right. First off, it's it's it. This cracked me up. And, and, and I want to make a point with it. But I want you to see this birth, this gender reveal announcement for this pregnant couple. Earlier in our lives, earlier in previous generations, that wouldn't be caught on video for all of us to see. But it is now. And that's a blessing. No, um, I think uh, it's a blessing for me. I think she's going to look back at that video and she may have some doubts as to her own value compared to (laughs) that brother who's on the way. But here's the deal. Sadly, some of us feel like that's how God looks at us. Not that we're the one God's celebrating, but we're the one in his arms who's just kind of along for the ride. That maybe one time he was excited about us like that, but now, boy, that next one's going to be great. For far too many of us, We listen to the enemy's voice too often as he accuses us over and over and over. 
And we buy those lies, and then we give up on ourselves. And today I want to I look at the story of someone who, who kind of fits that mold. And it's in Exodus chapter 2 that we find the story of this guy named Moses. And I'm going to read you verses 11 through 15, and then we're going to talk about them a little bit. But I, w- I want you to hear Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 15. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Here's some backstory. Moses was a Hebrew, but he's not your everyday ordinary Hebrew. Okay, he was born to the Hebrew nation at a time when Egypt had enslaved them, and Pharaoh had given the order to execute all of the baby boys. As a baby boy, he should have been dead, but his parents had the wherewithal to break the rules, to hide him away. They put him in a basket. They secreted him down the river. That's a ride. And he goes down the Nile River. That sounds so calm. This was not the lazy river. Uh, Okay, so they throw him in the Nile in a basket and say, God, do what you're going to do. He ends up being found by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter decides, I want to keep him and raise him. And he is all of a sudden transported and raised up in the family of Pharaoh. He is Egyptian nobility at this point. Moses has influence. Now Moses knows he's a Hebrew... He can walk outside and look at the servants and the masters and say, I know which one I look like. He's got eyes. He sees that there's something, but he knows he has influence. I wonder if he thought, you know, God's going to do something powerful through me, and he's probably put me in this position of influence so that I can make this change happen. That God is going to do something for God's people, and I'm in the position of influence to be used powerfully. And in one action, Moses messes all of it up. He murders someone. He's hunted. He flees into the wilderness, and he hides alone. I wonder how many nights he sat there thinking... How badly he'd blown it. And how God, if he was ever going to use him, he missed the chance. And now he's no longer in the position of influence. Now he's no longer welcome. He blew it. Can you relate? You may, be, you may have been ready to do great things, and then you blew it. You came up short. Or maybe, maybe you balked at your chance. You didn't listen to that urging. You didn't follow the Spirit as boldly as you thought maybe you should have. And now you're out, and you think you've missed your chance. So now you just kind of ride the pine until the game is over, if you're even still on the team at all. Now look at chapter 3 of Exodus. 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over, God called to him from the bush, Moses, 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 at this time has spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Forty years of putting himself on the bench because of his big mistake. And it's out in the middle of nowhere that he stumbles upon God's calling for him. And so God calls Moses through the burning bush. And in verse 5, he says, don't come any closer. He said, take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy. He says, take off your sandals. And, in, and some people read that and they say, well, in Eastern cultures, removing your shoes is a sign of respect. When you go into someone's home, maybe you'd take your shoes off. And I, I get that. I get that. And that's true in Michigan too. But, but, but like, that's not all that's going on here. He says, I want you to take off your shoes. I want there to be nothing between you and my holiness. The ground you're standing on is holy, so remove the barrier. You come into contact with me. I don't want anything between you and me. I don't want a buffer between you and my holiness. And then he says in verse 6, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. How many of us try to hide our face from God because of our shame and our past? And God tries to get our attention. And maybe sometimes it works. Maybe sometimes we sing a song that says something like, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And I'm like, yeah, that's who I am. I think I believe that. And then Satan's voice starts coming in and say, but you blew it. And so then God comes around and I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just keep my face down. I don't really deserve to be here. And God, God responds in verses 7. He says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Candelites, Stalactites, Stalagmites, and, 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 and other words. And now, the, <laughs> and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I've heard, I'm concerned, I'm acting, I'll rescue, I've come. God takes action, but did you notice how God's going to accomplish all that? Because the, getting the good news of the promise of I've heard, I'm taking action, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to respond, that's awesome. But the way he does it, did you read verse 10? So now go... I'm sending you. I'm taking action, 
by sending you, Mike. I'm taking action by sending you, Patty. God says, I'm taking action by sending you, Ken. Do you you catch it? That God hearing, seeing, acting, doing to liberate his people happens through Elijah, through Alexa, through the people of God, through Moses. I'm sending you. God chose Moses to do this. God begins the story of his liberation and deliverance with someone who is a mess. Someone who is in a place of brokenness and shame and regret. That's who God chooses to start this story with. And Moses tries to make all kinds of excuses. He says, I have a speech impediment. And then he says, and I'm a murderer. Kind of buried the lead. (laughs) And then he says, and the Hebrews won't listen to me. And then he says, but the Egyptians won't listen to me. And God keeps saying, but I've chosen you. Moses, if you could see you the way I see you, you would understand. Moses, I want to use you. You're part of my plan just as you are. I know who you are, and I'm still choosing you. Moses, I'm okay working through your messiness because I need to reach. Moses, don't you understand? I need to reach a world full of messy people. I need your messiness. I'm okay working through it. You see, God could have called anyone, but he chose Moses the messy. Full of shame and completely without confidence. God purposefully uses our messes. Get this, not to disqualify us, but to qualify us. Preach, preacher. That's what I'm talking about right there. God uses our messiness not to disqualify us, but to qualify us. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. It says it plainly. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, but I've got this messy thing in my life. And he says, I know my power is made perfect in weakness. God chooses the messy so that I'll boast all the more about my weakness. The point of all of this is not me perfecting myself. The point is me trusting God to love me, choose me, and work through me even though I'm messy. That's faith. When things get tough in relationships and communities, we tend to try and go hide again. But God has called us to be agents of reconciliation. And so here's here's some practical instruction of how this works out. What does this gospel of God loving and, and, and choosing messy people look like? Well, the first thing that it means is you're going to have to learn how to navigate your own reconciliation so you can help others. Now, I don't mean you've got to work out your own reconciliation. God has reconciled you through Christ. But you have to come to peace with what that means. You have to make peace with the fact that you are blessed. Man, I just saw Nick. Oh my gosh. 
It's like homecoming over here. Sorry, folks. Y'all are great, too. Man, the Lemanskis are here. Whole family. I love y'all. All right. Um, <clears throat> we, what I mean is we have to learn to navigate our own reconciliation. I have, to, I have to come to grips with what it means that God has loved me and chosen me and reconciled me in spite of my messiness so I can then go and help Kenny in his messiness come to reconcile it with him. Okay, I've got to learn how to navigate that so that I can use it in the mission of God. I've got to come to peace with the fact that God loves me in spite of my mess. God is using everything in your past to prepare you for His calling and mission. There is power in relating in our brokenness to those who are in messes around us. We call it a testimony. And it gives people hope. Have you ever had someone try to relate to you that you knew didn't know what you were going through? And you're like, I know you mean well. And so, I'm not going to hurt your feelings. But you don't understand. God's not wasting any part of our past. So that that thing that you were reconciled through, that God brought you through, you can use that to minister to other people who know exactly what that feels like. And then you can be that person who can understand, who can reach them with the hope that is there in the gospel. Okay, what I'm asking you to do is grow in your gospel instincts. Lean into the mess. Now, I don't mean lean into your sin. I'm not saying go and sin a whole lot so that you can be a worse person and then you can be saved from more. God likes forgiving. I like sinning. We're a good pair. I'm not saying lean into your sin. What I'm saying is don't be afraid to be honest about the mess. Don't be afraid to be real about the fact that you're not perfect, that you don't have it all together, that it's not solved. Lean into the hope that you found by trusting God to make right what you have obviously made wrong. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read you a few verses here, starting in verse 17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. New creation, not because they did it, but because God did it. Right? All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Listen to this. Not counting people's sins against them. Thank you is the right response. Not counting people's sins against them. God is gracious and I thank Him for it. That we have this ministry of reconciliation that is, God is not counting people's sins against them. And He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Listen to this. You are not done if you are breathing. God is not through with you and has something for you to do in His mission. Look at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. We are the tangible expression 
of God's goodness on earth. We are the tangible expression of God's goodness on earth. God's plan for salvation goes right through your brokenness. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Deal with your messiness and brokenness. Let God deal with your messiness and brokenness. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come to grips with how God has healed you and reconciled you. Learn that you are bigger than your mistakes. Love yourself. God says so. Because here's what's true about me. I am forgiven. I am loved. I am accepted. I am redeemed. And God has a plan for me. God knew my brokenness before he ever sent Jesus. Before Jesus went to the cross, God knew my brokenness. And he still chose me. And he still sent his son for me. I'm going to share with you something from um, a pastor, John Reinhard, who has this book, What God Thinks of You, or What God Thinks of Me. And, and it's, it, this, is, this is kind of a lengthy quote. It's on several different slides, but it's in bits and pieces, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it through it pretty easily. But, it, but it's this reminder of who you are. He, and, and it's God speaking, and he says, you are no longer darkness, but light in my son. Therefore, walk as children of light. You are the light of the world and a city on a hill. And I have called you. I have chosen you. You are now a saint, a servant, a steward, a soldier. You are a witness and a worker. Through Jesus, you are victorious. You have a glorious future. You are a citizen of heaven. You are an ambassador for my son. Amen? Amen. That's our identity. That's who we are. I've got to learn how to navigate that. Embrace it. Share it. Grow in my gospel instinct to lean into the mess because I'm leaning into God's grace and his love for me. Can you go ahead and come on up? The gospel today is this, God is not done with you. So you don't get to be done with yourself. You don't get to bench yourself because you've got mistakes or you've got hang-ups or you blew it. You didn't make the most of the past. You You don't get to put yourself on the bench and say, God, I'm out. God's not done with you. You don't get to be done with yourself. Don't let your story end in retreat in the wilderness, hiding the shame of your past. Rather, embrace God's story and purpose for you. 
and lean into those challenging, messy places when it comes to loving yourself so that you can live in the light of the gospel and love others well. God is double dog daring you (laughs) to trust Him and love yourself. He loves you and He chooses you. He's done everything that needs to be done in order to reconcile you and Him. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't claimed Jesus yet, if you haven't been reconciled to God, I urge you, be reconciled to God. Find that purpose. Let your story be caught up into His story. God's not done with you. Let's stand and let's praise Him together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, amen.